You know, there's a story in the big, you're going to get a, you're going to get kind of like three sermonettes today and then a sermon. So um, if you need a Bible, we have some men's who are going to hand out. There's, there's kind of football on this afternoon, but it's not real football, at least not yet. I tried to keep it short. Yeah. Um, before we turn to our text for the morning, which will be on page 1054, if you have a four-year Bible, if you do not have a four-year Bible and you want to open to your own, we will be in John chapter 1 at the end of the chapter, starting in verse 43. Uh, just reflecting on what Carl shared, he said that uh, it was fellow believers' prayers that carried him through. There's a story in the beginning of Mark's gospel where uh, some men bring their friend on a, on a mat, a pallet, a bed, and they, they bring their friend to Jesus because they, they know of no other answer. They're so desperate that they dig a hole through the roof. Then we'd need to call Joel to fix the roof because Joel apparently knows how to do all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Carl, hopefully we don't have to do it in the middle of the night. You never know. Yeah, um, so they dig a hole and they, Larry, they let their friend down through the roof. And Jesus looks at the friend, looks at the man, and he says, not because of your faith that you are well, but because of their faith. Friends, there are times we need others to carry us to Jesus. When Carl sought prayer, he was asking people to carry him to Jesus. I, he sent an email yesterday, and uh, I'm sure his keyboard was dripping with tears. I saw yeah. <laughs> and as, he, as I read his email, which he essentially shared with you all, I, I couldn't help but well up with tears in my own eyes because I've been there before. Not, not for two years, but there was a time in my life where I was in what I could only describe as depression. I would drive to work. I would sit in the parking lot before, before work, and I would bawl for no reason whatsoever other than I was in the darkness. And I felt alone, felt like I was by myself, and... I shared with Amber, and we were laying in bed one night, and she leaned over, and she prayed for me, and she said, Jesus, heal John. Take it away. And friends, it was gone. It was gone. The darkness has, had lifted. And that day felt so good. I... No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm, I'm not going to cry, Carl. Yeah. I, there, there's some allergies going on in this room. Uh, I thought we weren't having food today, but next week. Uh, there's, is someone cutting onions in there? Friends, I, I can assure you that it is a glorious day for Carl. What he feels now. I, I bet he would, he probably struggles to describe when, when the darkness will not lift and then it does. 
It is a glorious day. As he was sharing, I couldn't help but think of Psalm 30. And we'll, we'll turn there and we'll, we'll pray this psalm and then we will turn to God's word. This is what David writes and he prays and we pray with him. We will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn us up and have not let our foes rejoice over us. O Lord, our God, we cried out to you for help and you have healed us. O Lord, you have brought up our souls from Sheol. You have restored our, you have restored to us life from among those who have gone down to the pit. Lord, may we sing your praises to you as his saints and give thanks to your holy name. For God, your anger is but for a moment and your favor is for a lifetime. Lord, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Lord, you have brought joy with the morning. For Carl, and for many of us, Lord, whether we've struggled with depression or not, if we are in you, you have brought joy in the morning. Jesus, on those day, that day that we put our faith in you, we found joy. Unthinkable joy. Lord, we, we come to you now as your people, hopeful that you will work in us and through us that we will hear from your word in such a way that you will move in us. Jesus, we we can't help but declare the goodness of your name in all that you have done for us. Lord, there there is no other place to go where the words of life can be found. Lord, we find life in your words, in your word. Jesus, we pray that our hearts would be attentive to what we hear this morning. And as always, Lord, may the words on my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to think of the most significant person in your life that's not a relative. Do you have that person in your head? The most significant person you've ever met that you've ever known in your life. You got them in your brain? Thought about it? Maybe it's a teacher, a friend, maybe it's your spouse. The day you met them, did you realize that they were going to be the most important person in your life, the rest of your life? The, the day you met that person, did you realize that your trajectory was changing? For most of us, we don't, right? 
We, we don't realize that the day we first meet someone, they're altering the course of our life. The day I met Amber, I had no clue that our life was going to go in a particular direction. Took a while for me to realize it too. She knew way before me. It's typical, right? I'm a little slow on the uptake sometimes. Our lives can have the course altered, the trajectory changed when we meet someone. Today our passage focuses on the day that two men had their trajectory changed, their lives changed by encountering and interacting with and meeting Jesus. They, they came, well, Jesus came to one of them, and they had no clue that their life was going to change. And that's significant for us too, because if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, this should serve as a way of reminder of the day that you met Jesus, the day that your life was altered, your course was altered. Maybe you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus. There's an opportunity for you in this to hear about two men's lives changed and hear with an open heart and an open mind about the potential for your life course to be changed. Because when you encounter Jesus, your life course changes. With that in mind, let's read God's Word. We will read John 1, 43-51. Hear the word of the Lord for you this day. The next day, Jesus decided to go, to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How? How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is God's life-changing word. If you're writing down a big idea for today's passage, it's this, that we are invited to come and see Jesus and our encounter should it lead us to invite others to do the same. We are invited to come and see Jesus and our encounter should lead us to invite others to do the same. Last week we looked at Peter and Andrew and most likely John's first encounter with Jesus. This isn't their final encounter of deciding to follow Jesus, but it was their first encounter when they, when they interacted with Jesus for the first time. And we saw that they at least started to inquire about who Jesus was. But from the other Gospels we know that they go back to their, their lives as fishermen and then later on decide to come and follow Jesus. 
today we, we look at two other men who are going to decide to follow Jesus. It's the next day. This is a thematic section in John where John is showing us what it is like to come and follow after Jesus. And in our passage this morning, we kind of have three scenes. We have the scene where Jesus and Philip interact, and then Philip goes and tells Nathaniel about Jesus, and then Nathaniel comes to explore who Jesus is. It all starts with Jesus, though. It all starts with Jesus coming to Philip and inviting him in. The first scene is a, a response to an invitation. Look at what it says in verse 43. It says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. Jesus decided to do something. Friends, Jesus never does anything absentmindedly. Jesus is always intentional. He never just haphazardly goes about life. He is the God of the universe. He knows exactly what's going to happen when he finds Philip. Jesus goes to find that which belongs to him. Jesus goes to find one of the lost sheep of Israel that he will call into a relationship with him. Is this not the story of the scriptures? Think of Adam and Eve. What happens after they sin? Do they go looking for God? No, they do the exact opposite, right? They hide. Who initiates? God. Think of Abraham. Abraham is minding his own business, and here comes God. Moses. Moses is tending to his father-in-law's sheep. He is wandering around in the desert, and poof! An angel shows up as a burning bush that will not be consumed. God shows up. This is the consistent story throughout the scriptures. It's in fact, Jesus tells us parables in Luke chapter 15 where Someone loses a coin, and they go and search for it. Or there's a single sheep lost out of the 99, and the shepherd goes and looks for it. Friends, that is Jesus. The Apostle Paul was on his way to Damascus, and the Lord interjected. He came in. This is the way God works. Friends, God is the initiator. That's what Jesus does here. He found Philip. Philip was not looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for Philip. That's amazingly good news for us because Jesus comes looking for us. When Carl was in the darkness, Jesus came to Carl. Carl could not get the darkness to lift. Y'all heard that, right? Who lifted the darkness? Jesus. God is the initiator. He seeks us out. This is my story. I was minding my own business, and here came along Jesus. I was a senior in high school. I had just graduated, and I was not looking for God. In fact, I was doing the exact opposite. I was running as far away as possible. I was putting my fingers in my ear. I was declaring to the world that God could not exist. I was an atheist or an agnostic if my day was going well. (coughs) 
And then I met a man, street racing, and he invited me to come hear about Jesus. And he invited a girl to come hear about Jesus too, and I liked the girl, so the girl said yes, so I said yes. Because where she's going, I want to be. And the man who was preaching the message that evening was telling about looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. And in the midst of his message, I had an overwhelming sense that God loved me. That there was a God in the universe and he loved me beyond what I could comprehend. As if the Lord stooped down into my ear and said, I love you, 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 and wrapped his arms around me. Rationalistic John had no explanation for it, but that God must exist. Jesus came and interjected himself into my life. Jesus sought me out and found me. Is that your testimony? Is that your story? That Jesus came and sought you out? Maybe for some of you that is. And for others of you, you have a testimony where like, well, I grew up in church and kind of always knew that God was there and I, I just always believed. But I bet if you were to consider and think about it, there's a moment in every one of your lives if you consider yourself a believer that Jesus has interjected himself into your life when you weren't looking for him. Maybe it was a moment where Like Philip here, the Lord comes in and he says, it's time to follow. Some of you, you may have always believed, but there was a moment when you had to decide to follow. Where you said, I cognitively understood who Jesus was, and I believed that there was a God and Jesus was God, but I didn't follow him as Lord. He was there, but I didn't submit. Maybe that's you. Friends, there's a moment in all of our lives, all the time actually, where God comes and interjects himself into our lives. What does Philip do? Philip responds. He follows. He obeys the command. Now, it doesn't explicitly say that, but there's no other explanation for the rest of the story of Philip's not responding. Philip's not like, eh, I'm not going to listen to Jesus. No, Philip goes and tells someone about it. And friends, that poses a question for us. We must respond. Have you? Have you responded to the call to follow Jesus? See, friends, the way that starts for each of us is when we put our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus. The Bible tells us that humanity was created in a perfect environment by God and meant to be in relationship with God all the time. But the first parents, the first humans, Adam and Eve, they rebelled. And the consequence for that rebellion was that their relationship with God would from henceforth be marked by enmity or being at odds with God. And God told them that 
the only way to have their relationship be restored or the only way to have a relationship with God would be to be perfect. Now, if you're anything like me, you understand there's a problem with that, right? Because who's perfect in the room? I'm glad none of you raised your head. We even have a saying, right? I'm only human. That is an admittance that we understand that we are not perfect. But God said there was also another way. He said, if by faith you sacrifice things to me, you can have a restored relationship. And that, God told us, is actually just a picture for what Jesus would do on the cross. That Jesus would be the final sacrifice. That Jesus would, being God, come in the flesh and live a perfect human life. The perfect life that we could not live. And he would eventually be betrayed and suffer under Pontius Pilate and hang on a cross. And then three days later, he would, or on the third day, he would rise from the dead and it would be proof that God accepted his sacrifice. That any who would put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus and believe that God raised him from the dead would be saved. Friends, we can have a restored relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. But this is far more than a mental assessment, not assessment, a mental assent. Thank you, whoever said that. It is more than admitting that two plus two is four. It is more than saying the sky is blue or that the sun is some billion degrees hot. Uh, Bill might be able to tell me how hot the, the sun is, but I don't know it off the top of my head. It is more than admitting to a fact. It is something that we must put our belief in and we must, must allow it to wrap around our lives completely. All of us. Friends, have you responded to that call to follow and obey? It's a call Jesus makes to all of us. But that's not the only thing we see in this story, right? We see Philip act based on his new relationship. What's he do? Look at verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip goes and finds his buddy. He says, Hey, we found someone really important. He's actually the one that Moses told us would come. That the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and, and Daniel and Jonah said would come. He's here. Philip understands that who he has met is beyond anything he could understand, beyond what he expected, beyond what they were ready for, so to speak. This makes sense when you think of it by human nature, right? When, when you have something you really love that you think is really important, you tell other people about it, right? We do this with things that are less than important to us. For example, if you were to go tell me that you were going to go to Pasadena, California, I would tell you that you need to go eat Top's Diner, the original, because it's the best place to get fries in Southern California, because a small fry will feed like six people. 
or just one of you if you want to gorge yourself. Or if you told me, I'm going to go to Irvine in Southern California, and I'm going to have some time. Where should I go eat? Oh, you have to go to Agora. It's the Brazilian barbecue place across the freeway from the John Wayne Airport. They have top sirloin, and it will melt in your mouth. I don't know how steak melts in your mouth, but it does there. (laughs) Friends, what's that place that you tell everyone they have to go get food at? Or maybe the vacation spot that you say, hey, if you're going on vacation, you need to choose to do this. Maybe you're like, oh, you you gotta go cruising because that's the best way to vacation ever. It is really good. Or maybe you've seen a band in concert and you're like, man, they put on the most phenomenal show you will ever see. They have these things that move around and it's crazy. Or maybe you've been to a tourist destination like St. Paul's Cathedral in London and you walk in and you look up and you just understand the grandeur of God because of the height of the ceiling. What are the places you've been to, the things you see that you tell people they have to see? Philip is doing that with Jesus. He understands that Jesus is significant, so he's going to go tell his buddy. When someone makes an impact in your life, you tell others about it. You tell others about him. That poses a question for us. Are we sharing Jesus with others? What has God done in your life that you need to tell others about? Are you sharing that invitation about Jesus? Philip had just met him, and he's going to tell others about him. Who is that person that you need to share Jesus with? Are you praying for opportunities? Are you praying for boldness? Friends, we need to do that. And I'm not using that as a rhetorical we. I'm using that as a genuine we. It's hard to tell people about Jesus sometimes. It can be scary but we need to do it because of what Jesus has done. Who are you praying for? I want to ask you to do something. You all have these in front of you, right? Okay. Right now, I want you to take one out. You guys aren't moving. Okay. There's a space for comments. Normally, if there's no name on the comment card, I put it in the trash. Um, But since this is homework, I want you to do something. I want you to write the name of the person you're praying that you would hope they would come to know Jesus. Write their name right now. Put a name on it. I, I don't care if it's your neighbor that lives four houses down that you've talked to once. Or your coworker that is a jerk to you, or your cousin, or parent, or family, or friend. Put a name on there. And then, friends, if you feel like you are not equipped to share your faith with that person, I think you actually are and you just might not realize it, and you want help, I also want you to write help on there. Write help. And then you'll need to put your name on the front-hand side so that I can actually help you. But I would love to have a stack of these in my office that I can be praying for and with. 
We, we need to be praying for people to come to know Jesus. Right? Asking God for opportunities. Saying, Lord, I desire for others to know you because of what you've done in my life. And I want this person to know too. And then at the end of service, I want you to drop it in the offering box because that's where these go. If you didn't know, if you have one of these and you fill it out, put it in the box. And let's be praying for those people. But what happens? What happens when Philip tries to share with Nathaniel about Jesus? Philip, or Nathaniel makes a comment. He's like, there's no way the Messiah comes from there. Nothing good comes from there. If we were in California still, I would say that's like saying nothing good comes from Bakersfield. Maybe, what? No. That's the joke, right? That's not actually true. Maybe there's a place like that here in the Seattle area that you might say, well, nothing good comes from... (laughs) I heard Kent and Seattle. So, maybe it's a matter of perspective. Jill, I'm surprised you said Seattle. Your fit, your, maybe your fourth favorite thing is in Seattle. <laughs> Jesus, Bill, your boys, and the Seahawks. <laughs> Friends, Nathaniel has made a preconceived notion about Jesus based on where Jesus is from. People all the time have preconceived notions about Jesus, Christianity, and Christians. You're going to get a whole bunch of them in the, lead, the weeks leading up to Easter. We're going to hear stories on History Channel about crazy things about Jesus that guys come up with because they can't read about history. We have preconceived notions about Jesus. People do all the time. What does Philip do, though? He says, come and see. Philip t- says to Nathaniel, come and see who Jesus is. Philip understands that Nathaniel is a yellow light, so to speak. Nathaniel hasn't said no, but he hasn't said yes. So Philip invites him to come and explore Jesus. When we share Jesus with other people, we're going to get green lights where people say, yes, I want to know about Jesus. I want to follow him right now. And we're going to have people who are like, no, that Jesus, yeah, you, all you Christians. And that's a red light. And then you have yellow lights, people who just need to explore who Jesus is. Friends, invite them to come and see Jesus because Jesus can stand the test. If they come with an open mind and an open heart and they inquire, they come and see Jesus, they will leave transformed. You can't come and see Jesus if you're genuinely seeking him and not be transformed. And then look at the last thing. It's the, an, an encounter with an impact. Nathaniel responds to the invitation to come and see. And while he's coming towards Jesus, Jesus makes this statement, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel has genuine faith. He is an Israelite who is striving to live a life for God 
And this statement strikes a chord with Nathaniel. Nathaniel's like, how how do you know me? You've never met before. How do you know what's going on inside of you? And Jesus does something that only Jesus can do. He says, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel's response is, Whoa. Full stop. That's not possible. Nathaniel answered him. We, we see that it's very clearly impactful to Nathaniel because it says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Why? Why, why is that Nathaniel's response? It's because Jesus has just displayed to him God's divine knowledge. That Jesus himself is divine and he is omniscient. Imagine meeting someone for the first time and they say to you, oh, how was your coffee this morning with two cream and four sugars that you drank in your, the left armchair in your back room? What? That's oddly specific. And Have you been stalking me? This is creepy. Nathaniel was in a private place, in a private moment, when no one was around and Jesus saw him. Jesus is putting his divine knowledge on display. So Nathaniel responds the only way you can when you encounter God and you realize it. And it's a bit like, woe's me. I kind of, I'm at the wits, I'm at the end of my words is Nathaniel's response. He's declaring of Jesus all the things he can think to declare about one that would be God. And what does Jesus say? This is just the beginning, Nathaniel. Nathaniel, this is the tip of the iceberg. Nathaniel, you are going to see far greater things than these. Nathaniel, you are going to have divine revelation given to you. You're going to see heaven opened up, not because of anything within you, but because God has chosen to reveal it to you. Nathaniel gets to see a bigger glimpse. Friends, our faith is a bit like kids growing up. When you put your faith in Jesus, that's just the beginning. When Nathaniel first encountered Jesus, it was just the beginning. We cannot be satisfied with just a glimpse. When you have steak that melts in your mouth, you want to have more. When you have the wicked white witch give you Turkish delight, you want to keep eating more. Now this is not bad, Encountering Jesus is good. So that was a bad analogy. Just throw it out. Strike that from the record. Friends, when, when you encounter Jesus, you can't just stop there. You've got to keep growing, keep striving. We've got to be like the jeweler that takes the diamond and turns it over and looks at every facet in all the light. 
or like the musician who wants to learn to play Beethoven or Bach by memory. You practice, and you practice, and through repetition, you eventually come to know and hear and be able to play it. Friends, our relationship with God should be the same. If we want to truly love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, we cannot be content to simply have a glimpse of Jesus. We have to come to him every day. Come and see is the attitude of the disciple of Jesus. How do we come and see Jesus? It's through this. Are you reading this? Are you reading it every day? Are you meditating upon it? Are you meditating upon what God has done? Friends, I, I don't think Carl's going to lose sight of what God has done anytime soon. The experience I shared of when the darkness lifted for me was five years ago. I do not easily forget it. What has the Lord done? Friends, when we come and see Jesus... It's an encounter that changes us. And we should seek to share it with others because we want them to come and see Jesus too. Not because it will make him love us more, but because of who he is. Consider who we have a relationship with. Carl spoke of the one who put the universe in place. That's who we can come to. It's the one that gave an old man and an old woman, a child when they should have no child. It's the one who led the Israelites out of Egypt, not by the sword, but by the power of his hand. He's the one that guided a stone from a young man into the forehead of a giant. It's the one who walked on water. The one who raised a friend. The one who multiplied bread and fish. And the one who walked out of the grave. Friends, do you want others to come and see him? I hope as we consider who God is and what he has done, what Jesus has done, our hearts will swell with joy. So much so that we, you, you kind of have to shut us up to stop talking about Jesus. You talk about Jesus way too much. I would hope that would be an accusation that could be leveled about against each of us because Jesus is so good. So here's the questions that we have to ponder today. Have you responded to the invitation to come and see Jesus? Friends, don't think of that as just an initial come and see, but a come and see every day. Have you responded today? Have you been responding lately? Or maybe you've never responded and Today's the day to do it. And then if you have responded, friends, who can you invite to come and see Jesus? Who do you need to know? Or who do you know that needs to know? Friends, may we be a people who are inviters. People who have joy so much so that we want to share it with others. Friends, if the Lord has done something in your life today, if he has re revealed to you a way that you need to respond to him, we're going to have some people up here who would love to pray with you. 
If you've never responded to the invitation to come and see Jesus, and you want to do that, they would love to pray with you. I would love to talk with you. It might be a little bit noisy in here with the chairs getting packed up. So actually, I'm going to pull an audible, Ron. Can we go in the cry room? Okay, so if you want prayer, there's a, there's a room right outside there. That's the family room or the cry room. Depending on when you started attending Valley View will depend on what you call it. Um, and so if you want prayer or you want someone to talk with about what it is to follow Jesus or what he's done, you can go up there. I can attest you can still cry. Yes, you can still cry. <laughs> you can cry anywhere here. I mean, Jesus wept. It's okay to cry. So friends, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, you truly are so good. Lord, I pray that we would come and see you on a continual basis. May that be the attitude of our hearts and our minds. May we seek you out as the one who seeks us out first. Lord, may we draw near to you as he who will draw near to us. Jesus, may we be like Philip and Nathaniel, those who come and see and invite others to do the same. Lord, we thank you for all the ways you're at work in our lives. May we praise you for them precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in his peace.